Thanks for listening in today to our Friday broadcast of Abiding in the Word with Dave Love, the senior pastor of Calvary Castle Rock. Today we will be continuing our study in the book of 2 Samuel. So let's join Pastor Dave now. Soon your trials will be over. Now it was told King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So, I, uh, I can't have him come here, so we'll put him at your house. <laughs> and as you placed him over there, God's blessing. God's blessing. Now, Obed-Edom. Who, who, who is this? Who is this person? Uh, uh, you know, what is this person doing here? Um, well, I would submit to you here that Obed-Edom is a Gentile because we're told Obed-Edom is a Gittite. Gittites are from the Philistine city of Gath. As a matter of fact, I think if you go over here to First Chronicles, or, oh man, I might have lost it. Yeah, First Chronicles 15. Let's see what it says here. Yeah, that's not it. Hold on. It was, it was all coming to me. Okay, where is it here? Oh. Hey, John, real quick, do this on your little fancy little computer there. Okay, 600 Gittites. Put that in, see where that comes up from Gath. It's when he's running from Absalom. You can yell it out if you found it. Feel free. You got to spell Gittites? Yes, you do. Second Samuel 15? Thank you. It was a 15. I thought it was in Kings. Okay. Now look what it says here. David escapes from Jerusalem. We're going to get there real soon here. Thank you so much, Dan. You're faster than the computer over there. Um, Verse 18, then all the servants passed before him and the Garethites and all the Pelethites and the Gittites, 600 men who had followed him from Gath, passed before the king. Now, there, there is a mention of Obed-Edom as being from the household of the Levites in the book of Chronicles. But this isn't the same Obed-Edom. This is Obed-Edom the Gittite, Okay. And Gittites are Gentiles. Gittites come from Gath. Gittites are from Gath. Probably Philistines is who they are. You might recall that um, David had close ties with the Philistine city of Gath. He was that vassal kind of king or captain with King Achish at a time. And so this is where he's from. And he has followed David over here to his kingdom. And his place of residency is the place that they put the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God. Now, why three months? Now, we always see three days, right, as the resurrection and things like that. I don't think this is speaking of the resurrection. I think this is speaking of the church. Dave, why do you think it's speaking of the church? Because it would be really cool if it did. No. I want you to go over here to Leviticus chapter 23. We have gone over this. This is the, um, these are the feasts of Israel. There's seven of them. 
You have the Passover, the, the, the Feast of Passover, then the Feast of Unleavened Bread. One speaks of Jesus' death, the other one is burial. Then you have the Feast of First Fruits that speaks of the resurrection. And then what do you have? You have the Feast of Weeks, the Day of Pentecost, which speaks of what? The Holy Spirit coming down and giving birth to what? His church. And before you have the next feast, which is the Feast of Trumpets, the shofar that I believe speaks of the rapture, how many months are in between? Three. Summer months. Presence of God with the Gentile for three months. And he's blessing. I would submit to you something if you go back here to 2 Samuel. I see something else here. He is told, verse 12, Now it was told King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God, because of the presence of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with gladness. Here's the thing. I would submit to you that David was provoked to jealousy because of the blessing of what's going on. Where else are we told that? We're told that in Romans 11, verse 11, I say then, have they stumbled, speaking of the Jews, that they should fall? Certainly not. But through their fall, to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. I'm looking at this and just going, Lord, you're blowing my mind right now. You're blowing my mind right now. But David wants what Obed-Edom has. And that's exactly what people who don't know the Lord should feel about us. They should want what we have. We are the joy, the blessing. People should see that. They should see that we have this close relationship with the Lord. They should want that. You know, one time we went to Israel, and our our guide is Jewish, and we were inside um, uh, St. Anne's Cathedral, and we started singing Yahweh, which is the name of God, and and they, they think that's too holy to sing. But here we are as believers. We can say the name Yahweh, God's not striking us with lightning. Why? Because we have a relationship with the Lord. And so we have this personal relationship, which to the Jew, they're kind of going, you're not supposed to have a personal relationship. He should be holy. And, you know, and, and this is not how you worship God. It is how we worship God. And this is why we're so joyful. And he walked out and he left. And afterwards I asked him, are you okay? He goes, yeah, but you don't understand. We can't, we can't sing that name. We can. <laughs> we can boldly go into the throne room of God. Jesus himself says you can call him Abba, Father. It means Daddy. It speaks of intimacy. And so we have this relationship. We have this that everybody else should want, and it should provoke them to jealousy. And I would submit to you that's exactly what happens here. David, a Jew, wants what Obed-Edom has, who is a Gentile. Is a Gentile. Now, David so desperately wants the presence of God. And I, I look at this, and I see what he, what he is doing here. But at the same time, I look at this, and I said, this is kind of something as believers, we still do this. We still fall into this pattern. This pattern, instead of just sitting before the Lord, knowing that we can enjoy his presence, and speaking to the Lord, and just saying, Lord, speak to me. Show me what it is that you want me to do. And then when he tells me, I follow where God is leading. But how often I just put God in a cart, 
and say, I have a great idea. Come here, come here. Bless this. And then I'm going, and then I'm doing this over here. Come here. And, and I'm taking them in a cart over here. Bless this. And we put them in a cart as opposed to placing him in the place that he needs to be yoked upon our shoulders. And that's exactly what Jesus said for us to do. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I'm gentle, lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And what is a yoke? A yoke you place on two oxen or two donkeys or two whatever, but they're of the same animal. One is mature and knows the way, and the other one does not. And when you yoke them together with that bar across their shoulders, one leads, the other one follows. And what is it that he says? He tells her, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Just go where I'm calling you to go, and it's going to be fruitful. But how often we're going, I don't know, Lord, I have a pretty good idea. You know, this seems like the place, it seems to me, you know, I've lived now for a little over 50 years, kind of know what's going on. It's not my first rodeo, you know. I think I know that this is going to be a good thing. And the Lord's just going, are you kidding me? Get me out of the cart and place me upon your shoulders, the place that you're supposed to be. And Lord, then just lead and guide me. You know, when they put the... um. Uh, to carry the ark, just think about it. They, they have four rings, okay? The ring isn't going to be at the bottom of the box, okay? It's going to be at the top of the box. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that if you put it on the bottom of the box, it's going to be like all wobbly and things like that. So you put it at the top of the box. As you put it on the corners there, and you have someone back here, you have someone up front, and the two on the other side, and you lift it up, what is happening there? The presence of God is what? In their midst. But also as they lift it up, it is eye level. Okay, it's not high and lifted up like this and he's up there as you're carrying him up wherever you go. No, it is, it's right there on your shoulders and you're just looking straight at right there. That's the cherubim. There's the lid right there and there's the presence of God. He's looking, I'm looking right at him, just like the yoke with Jesus. Same, same thing. And, and think about it. You have four guys lifting up. It's not a big box. I understand that it's pure gold and the cherubim and everything else probably is a little weighty and everything. But with all four of them lifting up, it is light. It's not that heavy. And it's still not that heavy. God's burdens, they're light. If we follow where it is, he's got, and it'll be fruitful. It'll be fruitful. I'm always praying, Lord, just show me where you are and we'll go there. I don't want to come up with some lame idea and then just put you in a cart and wheel you over there. I, I just want to know, okay, is this idea of yours? I really got to see an open door here. I really need to see you do something supernatural so I know, okay, that has to be you because I couldn't have figured that out. So I'll, I'll go there, and if it's still not you, just let me know because I've done this enough times where I've gone to the place where God is not, and I go, huh, it's kind of a wasteland over here. There is nothing working. I don't believe I'm in the place that I'm supposed to be. Lord, forgive me. I'm moving back. I'm praying. I'm going to say, Lord, where, where do you want to go? Show me. I'm not putting you in the cart. Not putting you in the cart. Now, I want you to go to 1 Chronicles 15. See, this is why 1 Chronicles 15 is in my head right here. 1 Chronicles 15 
is comes alongside of what's going in, on here in 2 Samuel 6. 2 Samuel 6 gives us a little bit more of, uh, um, of what led to what is being said here in, in 1 Chronicle 15. But verse 1, it says, David built houses for himself in the city of David, and he prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched a tent for it. So um, before David brings the ark of the covenant to uh, Jerusalem, he has prepared the tabernacle there. The tabernacle up until this point has been in Shiloh. And so he has somehow brought the tabernacle, he has set it up there in order to place the ark there. In order to place the ark there. So he has already prepared it. And David said, no one may carry the ark of God but the Levites, for the Lord has chosen them to carry the ark of God and to minister before him forever. So somehow during those three months, he is thinking about how is it that I'm supposed to be in the presence of the Lord? How is it that I can get the presence of the Lord with me? How is it? What is am I supposed to You're supposed to obey what the word of God says. And I would submit to you again, this is how the Jews as a nation are going to come to know God in their midst. And that is by receiving their Messiah, Jesus Christ, and believing what God has spoken through his son, Jesus. And so now he has prayed. He's probably sought the, 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 the other priests and to study the scriptures, what happened here. And then obviously some of them you know, respond and go, that's our fault, my bad. I'm a Levitical priest. I should have told you this. But this is how we're supposed to do it. This is what it says in, in, in the book of Exodus. Here's in the scroll of Numbers that if you touch it, you're going to die. And so we should have known better, but this is how we're going to bring it up this next time. This is the proper way God will bless. And so he does. And so... Uh, David, uh, it says in verse 3, And David gathered all Israel together Jerusalem to bring up the ark of the Lord to its place, which he had prepared for it. And then it goes on down the line of all the, the sons of the different priests and all the people that are, that are there. And so um, it says here, starting in verse, uh, verse 13, For because you did not do it the first time, the Lord our God broke out against us because we did not consult him about proper order. So the priests and Levites sanctified themselves to bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel. And the children of the Levites bore the ark of God on their shoulders by its poles, as Moses had commanded according to the word of the Lord. So here we are told that David finally realizes the proper order, how to carry the ark, bring in the presence, so he does that. And so going back here to 2 Samuel chapter 6, go back there. Starting in verse 12. Now it was told King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because the ark of God. So David went, brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with gladness. And so it was when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces that he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. Notice his sacrifice. They don't go very far before sacrificing to the Lord. If you want the presence of the Lord, you need to accept the sacrifice provided. And that would be Jesus and the sacrifice he did for us on Calvary. You want the presence of the Lord? A sacrifice has to be given. And guess what? It has through the person of Jesus Christ. And so he goes on and it says, Then David danced before the Lord with all his might, and David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting. The word shouting there means a battle cry or a cadence of some sort of rejoicing. And it is a joyful sound is what that is. 
Verse 16, now as the ark of the Lord came to the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, looked through a window, saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord. She despised him in her heart. There was a time when Michael would have done anything for David, even expressed that to her father, Saul. But somehow at this point, she's beginning to despise him. So they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in the place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected for it. Then David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. So, um, verse 18, And when David had finished offering burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. Then he distributed among all the people, among the whole multitude of Israel, both the women and the men, to everyone a loaf of bread, a piece of meat, a cake of raisins. So all the people departed, everyone to his house. It was a festival. It was a feast. It was supposed to be rejoicing for everyone. God isn't just my God. He's everyone's God. And everybody should be able to rejoice in the presence of God. Verse 20, then David returned to bless his household and Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, how glorious was the king of Israel today, uncovering himself today in the eyes of the maids of his servants as one of the base fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. What her inference is, is that she could see him, you know, down there on the street rejoicing, twirling around, being in a little ephod, it kind of raised up, it was the whole Marilyn Monroe thing, okay? But this is David. Um, and so she's saying that some of the young maidens could see whether he was a brief or a boxer guy, okay? And, and thought that that was not dignified as a king, all right? So, so David says to Michael, it was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father. That is such a dig, okay? Who chose me instead of your father, and, this, and that's one of the reasons why, by the way. Remember, David played before the Lord the harp, and, and, and he's always been a very worshipful person, and, and Saul is very, very stoic, doesn't know how to worship the Lord, you know? And that scene in his life as he continued on, that he would seek other things, but he wouldn't seek the Lord. And so he, he cared more about what other people thought of him than what God thought of him. And so David doesn't. David does not care what anybody else thinks, which is obvious with the way he's worshiping and doesn't care. And he's just being playful as well as worshiping the Lord. He is just rejoicing that he's going to be in the presence of God. And it says, um, so David said to Michael, it was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father and all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord over Israel. Therefore, I will play music before the Lord. And I will be even more undignified than this. And will be humble in my own sight. But as for the maidservants of whom you have spoken, by them I would be held in honor. Therefore, Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. And, and I always believe that this speaks of people that um, don't, don't understand and don't give great value to worshiping God that they don't give great value to sitting before him and just pouring their lives out before him and, and, and worshiping, singing in song. Because people who are like that, that they're afraid to, to show themselves 
publicly or even privately to the Lord, of singing unto the Lord, experiencing a, a worshipful time before the Lord. Instead, they're going to be like Michael. They're going to experience a barrenness in their life, a dryness, and there's not going to be any fruit in their lives. Hence why she was barren from then on. You don't want to rejoice in the presence of God. You don't want to take part in worshiping and being excited that God is coming right now, that he is in our midst. You don't want to be excited about that. Oh, man, you're going to be barren the rest of your life. And that's exactly what it is with people when I, when I notice, um, and I do, I notice people here who sing and who don't sing. I notice people, and, and there's some people that I get it. They go, I, I just don't have a very good voice. I'm not confident in that. But, but what I do see them do, I do see them just, you know, I, I can see them with their eyes closed. I can see their hands raised. I can see that even during the time of worship, they're, they're doing it silently, and, and they are participating the best that they can. Then I see other people are just like, you know, or they're just sitting there just going. And, and I do, I, I approach people. So I, I, I notice that you weren't singing at all today. You just, you know, the, the whole time. Yeah, you know, I, I don't really like that type of music. Oh, so it's about you. Well, you know, you can't force it. Actually, you can. Um, it, it's thinking outside of yourself. As a matter of fact, in Hebrews 13, 15, that's exactly what it says we're supposed to do. Um, in Hebrews 13, 15, it says this. Therefore, by him, Jesus, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise. Sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. I don't feel like thanking God right now, but I know he's God, and I know I have a lot to be thankful for, so I'm going to do it anyway. You know what that means? It means that you are thinking outside of yourself. It means that you care more about what God's word says than how you feel. That's called a mature, progressing, growing Christian. If you care more about how you feel than what God's word says, what does that say about you? You're very selfish. You're very myopic. You still see things through your own little prism. And I got to tell you, there's no fruit in that kind of a life. I, I don't care where I am uh, what service I'm at or, or where I am around the world. And, and when worship begins to happen, you know what? I worship. It could be the weirdest beat or sound or whatever it is. I'm, I'm going to try and, you know, be as unwhite as I can <laughs> to uh, make it happen, okay? Uh, sometimes I go to a place that is just so 1840s. <laughs> but you know what? I'm still going to sing that song unto the Lord. It's a sacrifice of praise. I don't get it. I might not quite be able to follow that either, but I'm going to do the very best that I can. If anything, I'm going to close my eyes and I'm going to lift my hands and I'm going to hum it. I will do whatever I can. I will do my very best because it's not about me. Worship has never, ever been about us. It's always been about God. And when it comes to obedience to the Lord, it has to do with you do it because his word says so, and, and it has nothing to do with how you feel. And this is the great thing about God that I have found time and time again. When I do that, even though I don't feel like it, you know what happens by the end of that time of worship or that time where I've spent with the Lord just by myself singing a song to him or crying out to him? I feel different. And I'm not as depressed as I was before. Because that's why... In Matthew 6, 20, 21, it says, where your 
treasure is, there your heart will be also. Whatever you invest in, your heart will eventually come over to. That wraps up this Friday edition of Abiding in the Word with Pastor Dave Love. Join us again on Monday as we continue our study in the book of 2 Samuel. Fall is here, which means it's time for our annual Harvest Festival. On October 31st, Calvary Castle Rock will be hosting a wonderful free event for the whole family. The night will include carnival games, inflatables, high strikers, face painting, funnel cakes, food, and of course, lots of candy. So come on out and join us from 4 to 8 p.m. October 31st. We are located right off of I-25 and East Wolfensburger Road, directly behind Jack in the Box and the Shell Gas Station. If you'd like more information, please visit our website at calvarycr.com. That's calvarycr.com. Or you can call our church office at 303-663-2514. Thank you again for listening in today. And until our next time together, we want to encourage you to always be abiding in the Word of God. 